Good morning and welcome to Christchurch Baston Hill on this Sunday morning. Um, there's a very few of us gathered in church this morning. It's a very clean church. It's interesting, we've just been saying it's clean when there's no one in it. Um, but it's a bit strange us just being here and we're reminded again that the church is not the building, but it's you and me wherever we are today. If you're visiting us today, you're so welcome as we worship God together here. Now, next week, we've been asked by the diocese to ensure there is a service here. So, from the 2nd of August, a service will take place here and people can come. We will continue live streaming, though, for the foreseeable future, as we know that there are many who will be unable to come and join us. For those of us who can meet, the rules are a little overwhelming and the PCC will be meeting on Tuesday, especially to talk about that and we'll let you have the details of the arrangements as soon as we can this week. There's been a significant birthday in the church family this week. So many congratulations and love to John Pook as he celebrated his 90th birthday on Thursday. John, you've been an inspiration of God's faithfulness to me and indeed to this church for so many years. Thank you. We also celebrate Jeanette's birthday today. Happy birthday, Jeanette. As the email said, we're going to celebrate Holy Communion today at the end of the service. Now, as we continue to worship the Lord together, let us join in with the song, Tell Out My Soul, The Greatness of the Lord. Pray together now. Father, we are grateful to be here today and in our homes, focused around your word 
and your table today. You know our hearts and our thoughts this week, Lord. There is nothing that is not known to you. Father, coming to you and knowing you moment by moment cleanses our thoughts and our lives. We look to Jesus and to your Holy Spirit to bring us into the presence of the Father. Whatever is happening in our lives, you are constant and are to be praised today. I'm going to say the words of the confession which are full of hope. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon us. Pardon and deliver us from all our sin. Confirm and strengthen us in all goodness and keep us in life eternal through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Rachel is going to bring our Bible reading to us. A reading from 1 Peter, chapter 4, beginning at verse 12. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted, Because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. This is the word of the Lord. Peter is just going to come and bring us the word. So let's just pray for Peter. Father, we thank you for Peter and thank you that the family are back having had a really lovely rest. And Father, I pray that you would anoint him as he brings your word to us, as he preaches to us. Lord, give us uh, ready hearts to hear what you have to say to us through him. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, there's been many firsts in this uh, whole coronavirus time, and this is one of the, another first uh, for me. I am, I've been preaching to a computer screen at home, but I'm now preaching to an iPad and a few people in church, so that's another new uh, experience for me. Uh, but it's great, isn't it, as Sarah said, we can join, in, join together in worship of God uh, today. Bless you wherever you are, wherever you're listening to this Uh, this service from and watching this service from. Peter says, if you suffer as a Christian, praise God that you bear his name. It's interesting, isn't it? I think we'd all agree that suffering for being a Christian is part and parcel of what it means to be a follower of Christ. But it's amazing how we can still seem to think that somehow we don't really need to worry about how we might react if persecution broke out against us. It's kind of somehow over there in Iran or China or Pakistan, not here in Basin Hill, not here in Shrewsbury. And yet over these last few months of lockdown and of course the many restrictions that there have been upon our lives, And as the church has had to adapt to uh, being in lockdown and the ways we've had to meet in very different ways, we've all, to some extent, experienced suffering as a result of this virus. Even here in the UK, we have experienced something of what it's like to suffer as a Christian. 
It's also worth saying that the suffering has been and continues to be universal. It's, it's all over the world. It's not just in our country, it is everywhere. And also it's worth remembering it's not just Christians who are suffering as a result of this virus. Of course, it is the global population. It's everyone. And yet we have experienced what it's like not to be able to meet in this building, in church, to worship God together as church. In a book published in 1978 by a man called Michael Hart, uh, he wrote this book. It's called The 100, a ranking of the most influential persons in history. And in that book, as the title suggests, there's a list, there's a list of 100 people he considers to be, as the title suggests, the most influential people throughout world history. Now, Michael Hart, the author of the book, doesn't claim to be a Christian. He doesn't claim to be uh, a, a member of any major faith group. But his number one in the list of the most influential person in world history is not Jesus Christ. The second person, most influential person, he says, is not Jesus. In fact, he places Jesus third on the list. So why is Jesus Christ, according to this man, Michael Hart, not the most influential? Indeed, who does he put at the top of the list? Well, remember, this is his judgment. This is his, his uh, thinking. But he places Muhammad, the, the founder of Islam, at the top. Now remember, as I said, he's not a member of, uh, he's, he's not a Christian, he's not a, a Muslim, but he places Muhammad first because in his observation, Muhammad has far more influence over Muslims than Jesus does over Christians. Now that is a challenge to us, isn't it? Because he's talking about Jesus Christ's lack of influence on Christians, not, not unbelievers, but on Christians. And what he's saying is that Christians don't seem to be heeding or following their master's commands as much as perhaps we need to. And the prime example that Michael Hart gives of the Christian's failure to be influenced by the teaching of Christ comes from the Sermon on the Mount. And where Jesus says, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he says this, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now that is a challenging verse at any time, isn't it? Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Christians are called to be perfect or mature just as their heavenly Father is perfect and mature. But how do we reach maturity? How do we strive for perfection? The world's way of reaching maturity is very different from that of Jesus Christ very different to his teaching. Now, I'm going to simplify things here, and I'm going to, I know I'm oversimplifying things, but I've got to, really, uh, because that's the nature of what I'm doing. But the world tends to say that you reach maturity by experiencing as many of life's pleasures as you can in as short a time as possible. So that might be sleeping around as much as you can. It might be uh, experimenting with drugs or alcohol. Uh, it might be getting on the wrong side of the law. And again, I know I'm generalizing here, but if you watch a lot of Hollywood films, particularly about the ones about you know, people growing up and adolescence and so on, there's a common thread that, that tends to run through them that says something along the lines of growing up is about getting your own way and getting it now. But according to Jesus, the founder of the Christian faith, our Savior, our Lord, how does a boy grow into a man or how does a girl grow up into a woman? What is God's way of completion, his way of maturing his children? And Jesus' answer is very different to that of the world's, radically different. And part of that answer lies in our attitude to suffering for our faith. In Matthew 5, again, this is the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 5, verse 43, Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Surely not, Jesus. 
Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Surely not. Pray for those who carry out the persecution. How wrong does that sound to our ears? Now we know that the Jewish scribes taught otherwise. The Jewish scribes taught that if you were traveling a long road and you saw a neighbor's ox get bogged down in the mud, then you should stop to, to help them to get it out of the mud, provided, of course, that they are your neighbor, provided, of course, that they are your fellow Jew. If it belonged to a Gentile, then you just disregarded their plight altogether. In other words, the Jewish scribes were saying, love your neighbor, in other words, love your fellow Jew, but you can ignore, you can disregard the Gentile, you can even hate the Gentile, who is your enemy. But Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, that is not so. Jesus' teaching is truly unique. Love your enemies, he says, and pray for those who persecute you. In fact, if you look um, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, Jesus puts it like this. We are to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow Jesus. Christ calls us to follow him to the place of execution and suffering and even death before we can experience the joy and the release and the excitement of his everlasting life. Suffering is part and parcel of being a Christian. Suffering was part of the calling of the Son of Man. It was an essential part of the calling of the Son of Man, to lay down his life as a ransom for many. So the question is, why should it be any different for his disciples? That's you and me. We are to take up the cross too. We are to take up our cross And that cross might be any number of things. It might be to learn how to pray for those who persecute us. It might be to learn how to love those who belittle us for our faith. It might be taking the time to listen to someone who has in the past in some way hurt us or insulted us. That is the way of Christ. His way is far more demanding, far more difficult because it is the way of the cross. It might be doing what Naomi and Ruth did. Do you remember the the sermon series we did on the book of Ruth last year? Choosing to let go of bitterness and resentment and clinging instead onto God's faithfulness and embracing his plans for our lives, even if they are far from what we would want or hope for. That's what following the way of the cross is about, and what it's like. And so that's where our reading from 1 Peter chapter 4 comes in. From Peter's first letter. It's so instructive. Because if you read it carefully, you'll see ways to love your enemy and ways that we can learn from how to do that in practice. You'll see how the early disciples actually put into practice this strange notion of picking up your cross to follow Jesus each day. So if you've got a Bible handy, have it uh, open and have it open at 1 Peter chapter 4 and we'll look at this reading briefly together this morning. So it's 1 Peter 4 verses 12 to 16 we're looking at. Now the first thing to note is not world shattering. The letter is from the Apostle Peter. It's not uh, mind-blowingly profound, you might think, but there is significance in that. Peter is, of course, one of the 12 disciples. And Peter, as one of Jesus' uh, small group of first disciples, would have been present to hear Jesus' words about loving your enemies and praying for those who persecute you. He would have heard that in person. He would have heard Jesus saying that himself. But not only that, Peter actually rejected that idea at first <coughs> that Jesus had to suffer. Again, if you've got a Bible handy, uh, look at uh, uh, the Gospel of Mark. So if you turn back in your Bible to Mark chapter 8, 
you'll see that the interchange that goes on between Peter and Jesus, a crucial point in the Gospel of Mark. And uh, I'll read a few verses uh, from uh, chapter 8, verse 31 of, of the Gospel of Mark. Jesus then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after, <clears throat> and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when, Peter, when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely the human concerns. Do you notice what goes on between Peter and our Lord Jesus there? Peter hears Jesus say, I've got to suffer. I've got to go and, and place my hand, myself in the hands of my mortal enemies. So that the, the, the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, they're going to kill me, says Jesus. He speaks plainly. And Peter hears this and he, and he can't stand what he's hearing. And so the text says, uh, it says that Peter takes him aside and rebukes him. He says, no, Jesus, that's not right. That's not the way it should be. And he says no to Jesus. And then notice what Jesus then says back to Peter. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the concerns of God. You've got human concerns in mind. Jesus speaks really powerfully and he says to Peter, that is not the way of the cross. That is not the way that it is of the kingdom of God. He says, I'm going to go the way of the cross. That is the way that I'm going, says Jesus. And yet by the time we get to the epistle of Peter, his first letter that he writes, Peter has learned the hard way that being a follower of Christ will inevitably bring sacrifice and suffering. Because by then he has watched his master, his Lord, his Saviour be crucified on the cross. He's seen many of his fellow disciples imprisoned and beaten and even put to death for their faith. And in the end too, of course, he himself suffers martyrdom. He is crucified in Rome in AD 64. And yet here in this letter, the, the apostle says four things about suffering that we need to hear and that we need to grapple with. He says expect suffering. He says embrace suffering. He says be empowered by the Spirit as you suffer. And he says realize it is the elect who suffer. So he says first of all, he says don't be surprised. Do not be surprised, he says in verse 12, at the fiery ordeal that has come upon you to test you as though something strange is happening to you. He says expect suffering. Now Peter's writing to Christians around, scattered around the known world, around the Mediterranean. And he's saying to them, don't be surprised if you suffer as a result of your faith. That is the way of the cross. That's the way to eternal life because suffering and sacrifice has to come before glory and life everlasting. One of my favorite films called Surprised by Joy, it's a film about C.S. Lewis and his relationship with Joy Gresham who becomes his wife. There's a very evocative scene, a very moving scene in which Joy says to Lewis, the suffering now is part of the joy to come. The suffering now is part of the joy to come. And the reason that scene is so evocative and so moving is because Joy herself is dying from cancer. And, and Lewis, C.S. Lewis, the, the well-known Christian author, academic, is struggling to understand why God doesn't heal her. But Joy Gresham has somehow realized and embraced and accepted that as Christians we don't always get what we want. And it's often the road that it's harder 
that we come to learn more about Jesus' suffering for us. We're to expect it. And yet, as we expect it, as we embrace it, it, it doesn't extinguish our joy. It doesn't put it out. It doesn't snuff it out. Because in God's economy, suffering and joy can exist together. And in fact, pain can intensify our love for God and those around us. So Peter says, expect suffering. He then says in verse 13, he says to the, to the earliest church, he says, rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ. What he's saying is not just expect it, he says embrace it. He says rejoice in it. That's a strange thought again, isn't it? Who wants to embrace suffering? But it goes back again to Jesus' teaching. Whoever wants to be my disciple must take up their cross. So as Christians, we're, we're, we're asked to, we're challenged to, if you like, to wrap our arms around the cross and be ready to feel its weight and, and its pain and its roughness and its ruggedness. And in a baptism service, there's, in a baptism service, there's a reminder of this because in a full immersion, you go into the water of baptism. You go down into the water of baptism. And that is a reminder, a symbolic reminder, that we share in Christ's suffering. Before new life, we are to experience death. And so the more we open our hearts and our lives to God and to those around us, the more we're going to experience pain and suffering. Because that's the way of the cross. A soft heart is much easier to penetrate than a hard heart. And so we're called to love with soft hearts, to rejoice with those who rejoice, and to weep with those who weep. But what's the reward for suffering? Peter the Apostle says this, If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Why? because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Jesus says, blessed are you. Blessed are the persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He says that in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the persecuted. In other words, we are, empo- we are empowered, we are filled by the Spirit to go out in his name and to share the good news. We are filled with, with the Spirit of Jesus as we expect suffering, as we embrace it in our lives. Lastly, Peter teaches this. He says, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear his name. Put it another way, that means that if you are picked on, however that is, picked on for your faith, that means, says Peter, that you are one of the elect. Now look back at the beginning of the letter. Look right back to the start of 1 Peter. And you'll see who he's writing to. So 1 Peter, chapter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles, scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, and so on, and so on. Who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, to the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkle with his blood. Now that speaks to me today. I wonder if that speaks to you. He says, to God's elect, exiles and scattered. Wow. We've known what that's like, haven't we? We have been scattered. We are scattered as believers. We've been scattered throughout this lockdown. In a sense, we've been exiles. And God's speaking to us and he's saying, I am with you in that suffering. You are God's chosen ones. If you're suffering, that means you're getting it right. And the opposite of that is equally true and it's harder to hear. Because if we're not suffering, perhaps we need to learn more obedience to Christ. Now that needs a little bit of teasing out, doesn't it? Because that that sounds really difficult. And it is difficult. 
But it, it's, it means that if we, and it's not, it doesn't mean we're looking for suffering. We don't go out into the world and we want to be, you know, looking for it. And it doesn't mean also that we kind of brush it off when it comes our way and say, well, it doesn't really matter. You know, there's, there's a, we can be rather stoical about this and say, well, you know, I'm fine because I'm a Christian. I think it's, it's more Christ-like actually to, to admit to the pain and the pain it's causing us and maybe the pain it's causing those around us. The Bible has a very big theme of lament, particularly in the Old Testament and particularly in the Psalms. And lament at its simplest is simply crying out to God the question why. Why God? That's lament. And lament is a huge theme in the Psalms. Half of the Psalms are Psalms of lament. And, and they cry out to God, why, are, why am I going through this? Why are we going through this? Why have you left us? And Jesus himself cries out on the cross, doesn't he? Why, my God, why have you forsaken me? He admits to suffering. He admits that he's going through pain. And he cries out to God, why? So being obedient to Christ means that when we suffer, we know that Jesus is with us in the suffering. And as we experience that suffering, we can, we can deepen our relationship with him. Because Jesus promises to bring us joy and hope, even in the darkest of times and in the darkest of places. Debbie reminded me of, of some wonderful verses from Isaiah yesterday. Isaiah 61 verse 3 where God promises to give us a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of despair. And that is wonderful hope to cling on to, isn't it? He gives us a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of despair. So let me finish. We who are elected, we are chosen. We're chosen of Christ, chosen by him, to, and we're called to the way of the cross. We're called to follow the way of the cross. Don't be ashamed of the name of Christ, but expect suffering for his cause. Embrace it as Christ himself took up his cross and its shame and turned shame into glory. Be empowered by the Spirit to stand up to testing so that your faith is refined. And remember you bear his name. You belong to him. And nothing can change that. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are with us in our suffering. We thank you that you do not leave us on our own. You do not leave us as orphans, but you promise to be alongside us, to be with us. In fact, your very spirit dwells in us. And Lord, as we suffer, we rejoice that we are going the way of the cross. We live in that paradox, Lord, of pain and joy. Pain and joy at the same time. Suffering and glory. Father, would you come upon your church scattered maybe feeling alone, feeling vulnerable, feeling isolated, would you come upon your church and empower us to be your people in the world, to live your way of the cross in the world so that your name is glorified and loved and honoured and worshipped. It's your glory we seek. It's your name we honour. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> it's his glory we honour. We're going to have a song now, and what I'd really like you to do is use it as a reflection and pray into what we've just heard. Um, it's O Church of Christ Arise, and Aidan will put that on there.
the call of Christ our captain For now the weak can say that they are strong In the strength that God has given With sheer of faith and belt of truth We'll stand against the death of light An army bold whose battle cry is love Reaching out to those in darkness Our call to war To love the captive soul But to rage against the captor And with the sword That makes the wounded whole We will fight with faith and valor intercession now. Father, we bring you our prayers of intercessions, and in the words of the hymn, we remember that thou art coming to a king, large petitions with thee bring, for his love and power are such, none can ever ask too much. You are a great father with great love, The needs of our world are as large as ever at this time. Father, this morning we pray for countries overseas that are suffering still so much from the coronavirus. Remember India, Brazil, Nepal. Nepal particularly suffering from a devastating monsoon just now. We pray that you will give mercy and help to your people in these lands and others, that you would reveal yourself to the distressed and those in terrible danger, and speak to them of the mercies of yourself through Jesus. Lord, we remember 
those churches that are truly scattered because they're persecuted. Father, they are all over the world too, and we ask for your blessing upon them. Father, be with governing bodies throughout the world and turn their hearts, Lord, to do those things which are right and which benefit the poor especially. We pray for our own government and those in authority over us. In these days where expressing an opinion seems to be frowned upon and where there is so much hate is manifest, Father, we ask that you will protect the freedom which has been ours for so long, especially as we seek to honour you and your word. Help us to honour those in authority, our emergency services, our police force, those in the civil service. Lord, we pray for our Queen today. May you bless her mightily with your presence and wisdom as she worships you. Father, at this time, we bring to you our hospitals, both the Royal Shrewsbury Hospital and the Princess Royal. You know the needs there, Father. Lord, we especially pray for those families who've lost babies in the last years, and we pray for healing for them at this time. Father, we pray that you would intervene with those who are consumed with grief and self-reproach and bitterness. Lord, be with the chaplaincy team at the hospitals. May they know your help and wisdom and compassion too, as they are open to minister to hurting and frightened people. Lord, we bring you our own situations today. In our homes, in our families, amongst our friends. We pray that we will know you increasingly and honour you more nearly day by day. Amen. Let's sing our next song, Behold the Lamb, as we prepare for communion, which Peter will lead us in. So we 
So we join in communion, whether here in church or where you are at home. And I'm going to use Eucharistic prayer A. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right. It is our duty and our joy at all times and in all places to give you thanks and praise, Holy Father, Heavenly King, Almighty and Eternal God, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. For he is your living word. Through him you have created all things from the beginning and formed us in your own image. Through him you have freed us from the slavery of sin giving him to be born of a woman and to die upon the cross. You raised him from the dead and exalted him to your right hand on high. Through him you have sent upon us your holy and life-giving spirit and made us a people for your own possession. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we proclaim your great and glorious name forever praising you and saying together, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Accept our praises, Heavenly Father, through your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ, and as we follow his example and obey his command, granted by the power of your Holy Spirit, these gifts of bread and wine may be, to us, may be to us his body and his blood. Who in the same night that he is betrayed took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, and again he gave you thanks. And he gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it 
in remembrance of me. Therefore, Heavenly Father, we remember his offering of himself made once for all upon the cross. We proclaim his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension. We look for the coming of your kingdom and with this bread and this cup we make the memorial of Christ your Son, our Lord. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Accept through him, our great high priest, this our sacrifice of thanks and praise. And as we eat and drink these holy gifts in the presence of your divine majesty, renew us by your Spirit, inspire us with your love, and unite us in the body of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, with all who stand before you in earth and heaven. We worship you, Father Almighty, in songs of everlasting praise. Blessing and honor and glory and power be yours forever and ever. Amen. And as our Savior has taught us, so we pray. Our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body because we all share in one bread. Now we're going to share communion here in church, the few of us who are gathered here. While you share communion where you are, whether that is on your own or with those that uh, you are with at this time. So there'll be some quiet music played as we share communion, whether it's here or where you are. So let's do that now. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name, sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship Your
to say the prayer following communion if you know this prayer do join in with me Father of all we give you thanks and praise that when we were still far off you met us in your son and brought us home dying and living he declared your love gave us grace and opened the gate of glory may we who share Christ's body live his risen life we who drink his cup bring life to others We whom the Spirit lights give light to the world. Keep us firm in the hope you have set before us, so we and all your children shall be free, and the whole earth live to praise your name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. As Sarah said at the start of our service this morning, PCC meet on Tuesday to think through and talk through the details of the reopening of church. As you can imagine, that is not an easy thing to think through. So please do pray for us as we do that, as we deliberate on that, as we think through how to do that in the safest way, in the way that glorifies Jesus as well. That's that's our top priority, we want to glorify Jesus. But of course we need to do that in in the circumstances we're in at this time. So please do pray for us. But we're looking forward to Uh, those who are able to gather here next Sunday morning and also as Sarah said we will continue to live stream our services for those who are going to be at home so a blessing as we go our way as we go about our day as we go about our week may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and the blessed God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest upon you and be with you now and always. Amen. So go in peace to love and to serve the Lord. In the name of Christ. Amen.